What is the upskies, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the GX Hockey Cast. We're on episode 69, Doug the Thug Glatt, baby, of my little hockey show, where once a week I go through all the major news of the NHL, mostly focusing in on the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Calgary Flames, because that's my favorite two teams, but I can talk about any of the 32 teams in this league. So what do we got on tap for this week? Well, we got... Bad, sad, and some good news out of Calgary, so we'll be talking about the Flames this week. We got Toronto news, Tampa Bay news, we got Winnipeg, Anaheim, Chicago, we got more retirement signings, finally, the big signing out of Anaheim finally happened today, so we'll be talking about all that, but where do we start first? Let's go with the good, bad, sad stuff from, uh, from the Calgary Flames. Let's start with uh, we'll start with the sad stuff because it's uh, it's not awesome. So assistant GM Chris Snow has sadly uh, passed away uh, this past week, uh, losing his battle to ALS. He was diagnosed with it in 2019. And um, yeah, it took a turn for the worse sadly this week. He uh, had a something bad happened and uh, yeah, some major damage went down. Doctors saying that uh, it didn't look like he was going to be waking up from a coma that he went into, so uh, they kept him alive uh, for a little bit longer so that he can donate his organs, which just, I mean, what a classy fucking move right there all around, so devastating news out of Calgary. This is really, really sad. This, he was only 42 years old, and, you know, ALS is a very devastating and tragic disease, and, um, yeah, it's just, I feel really bad for anyone that's, uh, Going through this uh, this right now, it's uh, not good. We never want to hear of something like this happening. And with a disease like ALS, it's uh, still a lot to be learned about that disease. So very sad uh, that this this day has come, and uh, we're yeah we're feeling it. We're feeling it for sure, Flames fans, and uh, everyone coming out saying uh, how how happy or not how happy they are, but how many good moments and memories they had of snow. And man, maybe one of the, one of those days he would have been the GM of the Calgary Flames. Who knows? But uh, yeah, really sad, sad news out of Calgary. I just we'll try and move on to that with some uh, pretty good news here out of Calgary. So. Michael Backlund is the next Calgary Flames captain. Pretty sweet. I mean, it's it was it's been a little bit of a of summer for the Flames and the captaincy and Backlund and a whole bunch of other people. It's been a summer for the Flames, but this is good. We finally got this out of the way. Uh, you know, Backlund's been saying that he's kind of felt deserving of the captaincy. I, I'm in agreement with him. He's the longest ser- serving flame on the team right now. He's been there through thick and thin. He's a good guy. He's a responsible leader. Good two-way forward. He is definitely on the on the other end of 30 at this point in time. I think he's 35 right now. And on top of that, he got a two-year extension, uh, taking a little bit of a pay cut. He's down to like $4.5 million, two-year extension. It's, it's not going to be that bad. I mean, you want to get your new captain locked in for at least a couple years before I imagine he's going to just retire, finish out his career as a flame, finish it off as the captain. Nice way to end your career, but who knows, maybe he... This, like, lights a new fire underneath Backland, and he gets 50 goals this year, takes the Flames to the Stanley Cup Finals, and, and who knows. But finally, Calgary has a captain since, what, Mark Giordano, and then before that, I mean, of course, Jerome McGinley, my boy. And, yeah, it's going to be nice to see 
him as the captain, that cloud lifted from Calgary. I don't think, honestly, not having a captain on your team is... I don't see it as that big of a cloud over your team. Is it that big of a deal? I guess it depends on the person, right? Uh, some people, it's a really, really big deal. To others, it's just a letter on a jersey. But uh, nice to see uh, Backlund getting the captaincy. A very, very deserving player. And he gets the contract extension done, too. So uh, pretty tidy work right there from the Calgary Flames. But we're not done yet. So we're we did the sad... We did the good, and now it's time for the bad news. So Peltier, one of the young players looking to make a big impact on this team this season, sadly is gone down, and he is going to have shoulder surgery. So really, really unfortunate news for Peltier and the Flames. You know, he looked like he was playing pretty damn good there in the preseason. It was looking like he was going to uh, get himself maybe into that top six on the Flames this year, and then who knows what happens once the season begins. But sadly, he will not be starting the season with the Calgary Flames, I don't know how long it's going to he's going to be out, but I would have to imagine at least a few weeks, probably four to six weeks. That's generally a surgery uh, length and time for recovery. So we're hoping for the for a fast return for Peltier, because man, I was I was really excited for a lot of these young guys. Him being one of the higher end uh, young guys that I wanted to see what he can do with the new coach, the new just the new mantra of the Flames. But yeah, so that is. Really, really shitty. Other than that, I mean, Flames are still rolling. Uh, still a really big question mark, <laughs> admittedly, of a team. I have no idea really what is going to happen. It's been such a big turnover this season with the with the Flames. Um, I would have to think on the on the better side, just because of the just the smiles that I've been seeing out of the Flames camp. Really, really encouraging stuff. So, uh, still, I, I'm very, very excited to see what the Flames are going to do in the first month of the season. So, I'm really excited to see where that goes. And where do we go from here? Let's go back to Tampa Bay. Since we're talking about some injuries, they have suffered a major injury over there in Tampa Bay. Goaltender Andre Vasileski is down for eight to 10 weeks he needed back surgery and that just fucking sucks I mean me when that news came out I was I shrugged it off a little bit you know oh it's the Tampa Bay Lightning they battle through absolutely everything but you know letting it sink a little bit more people are talking about it oh it's a pretty big deal they still don't have like a goaltender really uh, to to fix that situation. I mean, one of my suggestions is Yaroslav Halak is out there still in free agency. Could they pick him up? A lot of rumors swirling around that uh, Tampa's probably more than likely going to pick up a goaltender on waivers, and that goaltender may just be Toronto Maple Leafs goaltender Martin Jones. So, I mean... If it happens, it happens. There's uh, other goaltenders. I mean, Spencer Martin already got taken. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But uh, yeah, Tampa Bay, down without Vasilevsky. And I'm on the team of Vasilevsky. He's probably the MVP of Tampa Bay. Uh, Who knows? I don't think they're winning those Stanley Cups without him in net. And uh, yeah, it's definitely going to make their season a lot more troublesome. So they already had... The Steven Stamkos controversy last week of him not getting offered up a contract extension. And now more animosity. Now they're going to be down their starting goaltender to start the season. You got some hungry young teams just chomping at the bit to take their playoff spot in Buffalo, uh, Ottawa, and Detroit. And then 
Boston is still going to be in there competing. You got the Leafs, and yeah, it's going to be tough, and this is only going to make it tougher for them. They don't really have uh, an awesome backup goaltending situation. I can't even for the life of me right now remember who is their backup goaltender, but that just, you know, saying that is, is enough, right? I don't even know who their backup goaltender is at this moment, so... How bad is this going to be for the Tampa Bay Lightning? Is this like going to absolutely bury them for their for their season, or do we think that they're going to be able to get through this? Um, I mean, it would definitely help if we knew what they were going to do in terms of are they going to make a trade for a goaltender. I mean, there's not really a lot out there. Uh, I I really can't see them pulling a trigger on like a John Gibson or. Hellebuck, that just doesn't make any sense if Vasilevsky is going to be coming back. I think they're going to have to battle through this, whether I think the best route for them would to be picking up a waiver goaltender, Martin Jones. I mean, yeah, that guy would be a great stopgap for them. He's, yeah, he doesn't put up the, the fantastic save percentage or anything, but he can grab a bunch of wins, and he showed that off with Seattle last year. So Tampa Bay could be in the market for a Martin Jones once he goes on waivers, which it seems he will be. So we'll see where it goes with Tampa Bay, but I think they're going to be fine. They're going to battle through it. It's just going to make them... It's definitely going to make the things a lot harder for them. That's for sure. They're going to have to play a lot tighter defensively, but it is the Tampa Bay Lightning. They are galvanized. They, they've been through the shit before, So, but I, I don't know if they've been down this long without Vasilevsky in quite some time. So it's going to be really interesting to see if Tampa Bay is going to be able to get through those nasty waters. Speaking of the nasty waters, we have some more injury news. This coming out of the Washington Capitals. We got Joel Edmondson has gone down for four to six weeks. And uh, yeah, it's a pretty big deal for Washington. That's one of the new defensemen that they brought in. And if you if you remember from last year, their blue line was pretty thin. John Carlson down for most of it. And then a lot of their guys uh, leaving. They only had one-year deals. So they brought in a whole bunch of new guys. Edmondson being one of the bigger ones that they brought over. And he's not going to be starting the season. So yeah, that's going to really hurt the caps. I know Edmondson may not be the greatest defenseman in the league. But he was going to play a pretty major role for the Capitals this year. And that's definitely going to hurt their chances getting back into the playoffs. Some people are still of the mindset that the Capitals could easily bounce back into the playoffs this season, but I, I'm i not there. I think, you know, it's going to be really hard for Nicholas Backstrom to bounce back and be the Backstrom that he was a few years ago. That's that's really tough. Alex, Alexander Ovechkin, how many more years can he defy the aging process before he dips in production at some point? People still think he can hit 50 goals this year. I'm more at the, like, 35 to 40 goal range. I think that's that's more safe. But uh, yeah, the Capitals are going to need a lot of things to go right. And on top of that, they got Kuznetsov, who still apparently wants to get the hell out of Washington. That's kind of been the story there for like two years now. He's still there. So, you know, I, I don't know if they could trade that guy. I think best best they can really do is just try to get him to bounce back on their team. Just rack up a bunch of points and see if they can trade him off for something. But uh, with Joel Edmonds, Edmondson going down, it just really doesn't make me feel all that good about the Capitals making the playoffs, but they can definitely prove me wrong. Speaking of proving some people wrong, so we got some of the young guns playing in preseason now for the Toronto Maple Leafs, and 
their first round pick from this past draft. Easton Cowan has been making a bit of waves here in the preseason from what I'm hearing. Now, I'm just not going to sit here and say that I've been watching the preseason games. I just, I do not watch preseason. It's just not for me. There's definitely some things about it that I like, but just so much of that hockey is just not very fun to watch. And I prefer to just kind of get the the storylines out of training camp instead of sitting there watching the whole entire game but hearing a lot of good stuff out of Easton Cowan so I mean you got to take it with a grain of salt because again this is preseason not everyone's going to be playing up to 100% you definitely don't have the NHL teams to 100% capacity but it's guys like this, the young ones that that probably know that they're not going to be making the team, but they definitely want to get their their name on the radar. So I think that's exactly what Cowan did when he got drafted in the first round. There was a ton of question marks around that pick. No one really seemed to know who this kid was. No one really had any information on him. And whatever information that was brought up, it just didn't, they weren't very high on this player. But the Leafs drafted this young man in the first round for a reason. And we're starting to see that now in the preseason. So he's flying around out there he's generating scoring chances he's doing a lot of really good things on the ice so very very encouraging what we've seen out of Easton Cowan so far is he going to make the team this season very very doubtful that he is going to do that unless something absolutely horrendous happens injury wise on this team and that's nothing against the player I think it's a very big compliment for him that he's already making this much waves. I think he's still only 18 years old. And considering how little people were thinking of this player uh, initially when he was drafted in the first round, it's it's quite nice to see that it looks like the Leafs made a pretty good pick. It's still very early and, and so much can happen in that in the time frame before we see him in the NHL. But at least, you know, we're hearing some good things for uh, Easton Cowan out of the beginning of this of the training camp. So that's nice to hear. Also hearing that Frazier Mitten has also been playing really good. Again, I haven't been watching them, but I am hearing some really good encouraging things about that player. And then the two other young players uh, we're a little bit more familiar with, and that is Nick Robertson and Matthew Nyes. So Matthew Nyes, we got a nice little little sneak peek of him last season, mostly in the playoffs where he looked very, very effective. And it looks like he is going to be continuing on with that. Very solid looking in the preseason so far. I think it's safe to say he's going to be making the team in a full capacity. And it all depends where this kid is going to land. I've seen... Lineups where he is from the first line, second line, third line. So I think it's going to, at some point, it's going to fall into place. But I'm very, very excited to see what Matthew Nice is going to bring to the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, in a full role and a full season. There's going to be a lot of tests for him. An 82-game season, that is going to be one of his bigger tests that he's going to have to get through this season. It's uh, it's a grind, and we're going to see if he maybe tails off or if he is able to balance out the workload throughout a whole entire season that will be really encouraging and then of course what is going to be his major thing are we going to see him develop into a really strong power forward where he's really difficult to deal with on the boards maybe a real pest in front of the net I am very very excited to see what Matthew Nyes could do and I already talked about the Calder uh, trophy and everything and Matthew Nyes is also a little bit of a dark horse contender to maybe win the Calder because if he can get into a top six role on the Toronto Maple Leafs maybe get a little beat beat time who knows 
fucking Matthew Nyes could be a 50, 60 plus point player. Is that going to be enough to win the Calder this season? Uh, it's going to be really tough. I mean, you got Logan Cooley, Bedard, and maybe some other really big names coming in as well. But Matthew Nyes, I'm not going to forget about him. He's definitely got some dark horse potential to win the Calder. Regardless, I'm just excited to see another young player come into the Toronto Maple Leafs organization. Should be a lot of fun. And then the other guy that I have been rooting for so hard ever since he got drafted, and that is Nick Robertson, brother to Jason Robertson. And man, I feel bad for poor Nick because Jason over there in Dallas is already putting up the 100-point seasons and... You know, it would be amazing if if Nick Robertson could uh, maybe I don't I don't know I mean I I would love if he became the player that Jason Robertson is in Dallas. But damn, if you can just develop into an NHL player at this point, and man, it's it's looking good. And I I don't blame Jason uh, Nick Robertson for you know not grabbing a NHL spot yet in his career because he has just had a really unfortunate career so far I mean he had to deal with COVID and then the injuries man every time it seems like he is going to get the opportunity and the time is now John Cena he gets injured and everything stops and we're like fuck just just when you think he's going to get some traction an injury happens or something like that and it just kind of puts him back or just stops him in place and again he looks really good in training camp. He looks fired up. He looks hungry. Interviews. He sounds hungry. He wants it, man. He wants to be a Toronto Maple Leaf. He wants to be playing on the NHL roster, and I want it for him, man. I want it so bad. I hope he can do it. It's, you know, it's it's gonna, he's gonna have to make a really big impact, and I don't know from what I'm hearing if he's necessarily done that yet, but if he keeps it up, I could definitely see uh, Robertson getting onto the lineup. I would love if he can crack into that top six, but I don't know the way that the team is this year with Domi and Bertuzzi coming in. He would make he could be a deadly third line guy and maybe turn the te- the Leafs into a three line four line team, like three scoring lines and then a solid defensive line. That would be fantastic and kind of what the Leafs have been ordering for the last few seasons they're getting a little top heavy with the with the top six you have Matthews Marner Nylander they get shut down it's uh it's been kind of a Sahara desert out there in terms of depth scoring for the Toronto Maple Leafs so if we can get some sort of uh, four-line team going right now we've seen how effective it can be for teams like Seattle even though they have no superstar on that team but a lot of fucking four straight lines of second line players really really difficult to deal with so if the Leafs can spread the love they're trying to work it out right now you know you got Willie going for center they're trying maybe a three-headed beast situation with Matthews Nylander Tavares as the three-headed beast down the middle we'll see if that's what we end up going with again I don't think anything with this team should necessarily necessarily be set in stone for every single game that has kind of been my complaint with uh, certain coaches in the league where they're set in their ways that is the way we're doing it no matter what I like a coach that can adapt on the fly it's like all right we got this shit going on let's let's flop it up let's do something crazy I I liked when Keith would send it when they need a goal all right there goes Matthews Marner Nylander on a line or, or throwing Johnny T as well I, I like when they do that so it's really hard to put a lineup, a, a, a solidified lineup for the Leafs right now because I, I I see it as a moving picture, man. There, I, I see a lot of shifting parts and game by game it's going to get changed up. 
And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun, man. It's definitely going to be a tough puzzle to get together. Hopefully we can find, they find something that is just undeniably amazing and everyone's clicking in a special way. That is obviously the goal here, but we'll see. That's that's shooting for the stars, but so far some of the young players looking real t- real good. And now we got, we got to have some bad news for the Leafs, right? So Connor Timmins, uh, love him or hate him, I like this player. I, I'm a little bit surprised at how uh, how mean people can be to Connor Timmins. He's only played a cup of coffee for the Leafs. He did nothing but put up a whole bunch of points while he played. And yeah, I, I understand that his underlying numbers or whatever are not very good. But considering that they basically got him for free, I mean, I am pleasantly surprised with Connor Timmins. And... He is, cur- I don't know about currently, but at some point during this preseason, he was the leading scorer in the league. So there it is. The guy can put up points in the NHL. I mean, there's, there's, there's got to be value in that somewhere. And I thought maybe he could fight for a shot at maybe getting onto the lineup this season or, or something like that. And bam, he gets injured. He is going to be down for a few weeks. Uh, it's looking like... It looks like a week-to-week injury right now. Uh, I would imagine for uh, two or three or more weeks. Regardless, really, just another unfortunate thing. Kind of why I don't like preseason, and especially it being 400 games long. I mean, sometimes you get major people. I'm not saying Connor Timmons is major, but you know, sometimes big name players get hurt in preseason and then like they missed out on the fucking regular season. That's what really matters here. Preseason literally means absolutely nothing. It's, it's, you know, I, I just don't like it. And it really sucks that Connor Timmons is going down the Leafs defense, man. I'm still, I, I feel a lot of us are not very satisfied quite yet with the way that this defense is looking. Uh, Klingberg apparently is dealing with some stuff day to day right now. So, uh, we'll, we'll see if he's going to be there for the opening night roster and, yeah, I mean, a lot of people bringing up the the trade of Sandine and, and how questionable that whole thing was. But, I mean, at least they got a first-round pick for it. I still don't like the idea of them trading away Sandine. But we'll we'll see how that one comes back to bite us in the, in the near years here. But... The defense for the Leafs, I'm uh, we're we're still at the point that that trade that we've been kind of waiting all summer to happen hasn't happened. They still haven't added that that big defenseman in the back, which you know I, I would have loved it to be Luke Shen, but uh, the amount of money that Nashville threw at him, it just wasn't going to happen. But yeah, is there? There's got to be a defenseman out there somewhere, a big guy that they can get for a depth role at some point. I'm surprised it hasn't happened, but. Uh, they still don't have any money, so if there's a defenseman out there, I I would love to hear which defenseman you think that the Leafs can sign for super cheap that could be an effective big man in front, but it's going to be tough. We'll see who's out there. Speaking of who's still out there, guess who's not still out there? It's Trevor Zegris. The Ducks have finally got a contract extension signed for their big superstar, Trevor Zegris. So, it came out earlier in the week that Anaheim was throwing some pretty not awesome offers towards Zegris. Apparently, a three-year, $4 million extension was thrown at him, and... You know, he wasn't mad at the years, but the money amount apparently was very off. So the, the contract is out now. Zegris three-year extension at $5.75 million per season. Man, I am stoked for this. I, I, I mean, you can't blame the, the Ducks for trying to lowball him. Like, 
what what is it why i don't know why people get so up in arms about it like you gotta try you can't you can't hurt can't hurt to try if he says yes fucking awesome you have a terrible agent but yeah zegris they come back they find the money somewhere in the middle now i don't know how much zegris was initially asking for i would have to think it would be up in that six seven million dollar range ducks looking for something around four so they find something in the middle and i think it's a fantastic deal man like it's definitely not too much if zegris is going to continue let's say if he tops out and he just becomes a you know 20 point guy or 20 goal guy maybe 60 65 points i mean yeah i i think six under six million dollars you would be fine with that and if he does become the potential superstar that Anaheim and some of the fans think that he can be then yeah Anaheim is going to be paying out the ass after this three-year deal but uh, the way that the team is is really not something they're all that worried about right now we'll see how it goes with Trevor Zegris I mean I think personally it's a fantastic deal I was surprised that it was as low as it was you know I think um, Zegris is a really important player for them he brings a lot of eyes to that team he's very popular he's cover boy for the NHL games he's young he's definitely got a connection with the young fan base in the NHL he's definitely got the skill we know all about the the Michigan the Dishigan so he's he brings a lot of that kind of stuff now I know his defensive game isn't there and he's still very young only 22 years old but he is a center and yeah man he's definitely going to be a major piece on this Anaheim Ducks team now if they're you know, if they're building up to that Stanley Cup contender, if they're going to have a, a down the middle of like Leo Carlson, you got McTavish and Zegris, holy fuck. So maybe Zegris can develop a better defensive game over these next three years. It's going to be really interesting, but I think that's a spectacular deal for the Ducks to sign right there. We're not done with the signings. But we're also not done with the Ducks just yet. So a little bit of bad news right here. New guy Alex Kalorn will not be starting the season with the Ducks because he has suffered an injury. I believe he broke his finger. So he is going to be out for four to six weeks. Very unfortunate. But again, the Ducks are not in a position to be winning. They're still very much so in a rebuilding phase. But Kalorn brought in as a supporting role, a guy to kind of shepherd the young players, got a ton of Stanley Cup experience. So it's not that he could, he could still absolutely pr- provide all the knowledge and wisdom uh, not being on the ice. So he could still provide that, but obviously very unfortunate to have one of your new players not being able to start the season with you. So that kind of sucks. And speaking of kind of sucks, we have a couple of extensions here out of Minnesota One people think kind of suck, and then the other one people think, not bad, not bad. So let's start with the not bad one, apparently. So Matt Zuccarello signs a two-year extension, $4.125 million per season for the 36-year-old winger. So Matt Zuccarello, fan favorite, pretty much wherever he uh, ends up playing. Ask fucking uh, Henrik Lundqvist. He absolutely had a meltdown when that dude left New York. But anyway... He's been fantastic for the Minnesota Wild. He's definitely uh, had great chemistry with Kirill Kaprizov. Now, would would other players have a very similar result playing with Kirill Kaprizov? Maybe, but without a doubt, Matt Zuccarella has fit in very well with the Minnesota Wild. He is up there in age now, 36 years old, but taking a bit of a discount right here is nice, and it's only a two-year extension. So, I mean, is he going? I don't know. He could absolutely fall off a cliff this year, but... 
the way that he's been playing, you know, with Kirill Kaprizov, kind of like a, a Joe Pavelski situation. You play with this young, incredible talent. It just rejuvenates the the older, skilled player, I guess. And yeah, it's been working out really well. Is it going to work out very well for two more years? Well, I imagine the Minnesota Wild fans are really, really hoping so because, yeah, they need that. And then the other one that people are a little bit more unreceptive to, and that is Marcus Felino getting a four-year extension for $4 million per season. He is 32 years old. So I'm a big old fan of Marcus Felino. I think he's awesome. He is the emotional leader of the Minnesota Wild. I mean, if, if there was going to be a captain, I think maybe Marcus Felino uh, could wear the, the C because, man, that guy is fired up. Yeah, he kind of fell off of a cliff uh, offensively last season. He had a really good offensive season a couple years ago there. And, uh, I mean, he's never really been the offensive guy. He's definitely done more of the physical stuff like that. Uh, Definitely an energy guy for sure. And, yeah, I mean, $4 million is a little bit steep to pay um, a guy with those kind of talents. But if he could find that goal-scoring touch a little bit, maybe get back into that 20-goal range, that would be great. But, again, the type of player that he is, he's got some hard miles on him. He is 32, so he could fall off a cliff uh, a lot harder and faster than a Zuccarello. But we'll see. I mean, the four years is the only thing. I think if this was a two-year $4 million, people would be a lot more receptive to it. I think it's the four years because, yeah, I think maybe those final two years, maybe even the final three years might be a little bit rough, but uh, we'll see how it goes. I'm rooting for Marcus Foligno because I I really like him. I think he's a great little player. Speaking of great little player, you might have heard of a little great player called Connor Bedard over there in Chicago. So a lot of interest around him, obviously. He's supposed to be the next great player in the NHL and... People have been debating who may be on his wing. So we already know that Taylor Hall is going to be on his wing. But who's going to be the other guy? And, well, so far, it's been Ryan Donato. So that's he's been playing there with uh, Hall and Bedard on a line in preseason. Is that going to be the guy that sticks with them all season? Well, I mean, there's not necessarily a whole lot of other guys that could play with him. I think Enthanaseyu has had a... Maybe he could get on that line as well. He's got incredible speed. But again, he's not the same player that McDavid is. McDavid is, uh, according to other player, uh, other people, a uh, harder person to find a player to play with him. Connor Bedard, not so much. It seems like he's uh, more like Sidney Crosby in that style where you can kind of put anybody on his wing and he's just going to elevate them no matter who they are. And, uh, I mean, it's not a knock against Connor McDavid. I believe I already had this conversation, but it's just, that's just something about Connor Bedard that's going to be a little bit easier to make a line of whoever you want. So it looks like so far it is going to be Donato and shit. If you're, if you got a fantasy, a really deep fantasy draft coming up, maybe you look at a Donato, maybe he could sit there get 50, 60 points just being, you know, that the second assist man on a line with Taylor Hall and Connor Bedard. So that, that could be someone to look out for. Speaking of someone to look out for, Winnipeg Jets, Nick Ehlers is hoping to have a big freaking season, big old bounce back season. He is getting into some preseason games and yes, fucking... If the Winnipeg Jets are going to get back into the playoffs, I mean, they did last year, but, you know, did they really? If they want to have a serious playoff run this season, 
Nick Ehlers is going to have to bounce back and get back to the way that he was a few seasons ago. I still think he's got it. Some people think that he's probably done, but man, when Nick Ehlers is going, he is a very, very good player, and I hope that he can get back onto this team and and stay healthy and get back to that 30 goals. Even the way that uh, NHL scoring has gone up, I could see those numbers going up. You could see him maybe get up to that point of game kind of player. And, you know, he was almost a Toronto Maple Leaf at one point there. I thought, I didn't think that the Leafs were going to be able to get Willie Nylander. He was still there during that draft. I thought maybe Nick Ehlers was going to be a Leaf regardless. Uh, Winnipeg Jets are really looking for Ehlers to have a bounce back and, and it's going to be a real. They're another team that's really. They got a big old question mark next to them. Are they better? I think I'm again on the side of Winnipeg, probably bouncing back and having a better season than they did last year. A lot of the negativity around that team has gone away, but there is still a lot of question marks with Shifley and Hellebuck. Hellebuck has come out and said that he's willing to stay and all that stuff. But regardless, it's. You know, it's all really kind of a, a balancing act right now. If if they start out really great in the first month and a half or so, then yeah, those talks are more than likely going to calm down a little bit, bit, and then the contract extension talks are going to start ramping up. So, you know, it would be really great to see a lot of the Canadian teams bounce back and 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 get back into a playoff spot. But again, we're just gonna have to wait and see. And oh, buddy, am I ever getting excited for the beginning of this season? And we know we are getting close to the beginning of the NHL regular season because the waiver wire is now activated. And we have a couple of names here that I want to talk about. One much more than the other one, but right away. So the one that everyone was waiting for was Spencer Martin. And who was going to claim him? Well, it was the Columbus Blue Jackets that go ahead and take Spencer Martin. Uh, makes sense. I mean, they definitely, Columbus has a question mark in net. Like, Merzlikens has had back-to-back uh, really pretty, just uh, just flat-out bad seasons. So, you know, it's, it's, it's when you have two in a row, that's uh, not great. So, it's it's really going to be tough for Merzlikens to come back. So, why not have, I mean, it's it's not the best stopgap if, if Merzlikens isn't going to be awesome. But it's better to have a safety net instead of absolutely nothing. So, Spencer Martin going over to Columbus. We'll see if he gets into any games. You would have to think he's probably going to get into a couple. I think their other goaltender... Oh, I just had his name, Tarasov, I think. I think he's still dealing with a little bit of injury, so we might see Spencer Martin starting in the backup role at the beginning of the season, and then maybe he gets waived and he goes back to Vancouver. We'll see if that is that a thing that can happen. It's the NHL, why not? It, it's happened before. And then the other one, this is a big one here for Ottawa. So everyone's kind of jumping on the Senators for this one because they waived First round draft pick, Lassie Thompson, and he got claimed by the Anaheim Ducks. So this is a prospect uh, that was drafted a few years ago now. Now, it's not like he was drafted last year and they just fucked up and lost him for absolutely no reason. But regardless, this was a young first round defenseman. So defensemen tend to take a little bit longer. So, I mean... I think there's still some potential behind this player. Is it that, you know, is he going to hit that first round potential that he had when Ottawa drafted him? 
I mean, probably not, but he is going to the Ducks, and the Ducks, they, they got away with defensemen. They, I've seen a lot of really good defensemen coming in and out of the Ducks organization, so why not take a flyer on a young defenseman? Maybe he gets into their lineup. There were some pretty questionable defensemen that got into the lineup last season, so maybe he gets a spot, he gets a shot, and he just runs with it, and off he goes. He finds that first-round potential, but regardless, this is just... Not good work here from the Senators, and we'll spend some time discussing the Senators for a minute because they still don't have Shane Pinto signed. They are apparently trying to trade away Matthew Joseph, who in his own right is a pretty solid player. Like, it's it's the fact that it's, he's got a contract with some term on it. It's under $3 million, and apparently the fucking thing is damn near impossible to trade, and I just don't understand it. And it's basically because Ottawa's fucked themselves. They got no money. They spent every dime that they had trying to replace the goals from what's his face to Brincat, who went to Detroit. And um, yeah, now they got no money. They're trying to trade away a decent young player. And apparently they're going to have to give up like a first round pick just to get rid of him. And they're going to get absolutely nothing back. So. This is some ugly work right here after what I thought was some pretty tidy work from the Senators over the last little bit here. So you're losing a first rounder. Did he really have all that much potential and or value to the Senators and to any other team? I mean, could they have traded him? What were they going to get back for him? I imagine not very much, but... It's definitely a wasted asset for the Senators. They put four years of assets building up this player. And if it was as simple as they're trying to shift things around, hoping that he didn't get taken, and he did, and they're like, whoops, then that's just fucking unacceptable for an NHL organization to have something like that happen. He's a first-round pick, or first-rounder, so yeah, you don't want to just lose those for nothing. And on top of that, uh, they still don't have Shane Pinto signed, so it's just a bunch of shit right now, and apparently Senators offered Pinto a one-year, $1 million deal. Pinto sort of taking that as kind of a slap in the face a little bit. Uh, he's kind of looking for something in the lines of like a two, two and a half million dollars. And yeah, Ottawa just flat out doesn't have that money. And people are calling them out for signing Tarasenko and taking on Kubalik, which I I was I would have been fine with one or the other. I think it was I I like the idea of them bringing in Kubalik. I think he could be a really solid middle six, maybe a top six player for them. The one that I was questioning was the Tarasenko pickup. It's like, was it really necessary? Does he really fit into that squad? I know you're trying to gain back some of those goals that Debrincat had, but he didn't have all that many. It wasn't like he came in and scored 40. He had 28 goals or something. So I thought Kubelik and, you know, having a healthy Norris and Batherson back in the lineup, get Pinto signed, you would have been just fine. So in hindsight, yeah, if they just didn't sign Tarasenko, they probably wouldn't have lost Lassie Thompson for nothing. They would have had Shane Pinto signed, and they wouldn't have this uh, Matthew Joseph thing, which, you know, I remember when they signed him, I thought it was a pretty good deal. I think that had something to do with the Tampa Bay trade. I thought he was a pretty solid player right there for them, and if they have to end up trading him, losing him on top of a first-round pick to get rid of that contract to sign in Pinto, like, fuck, man, that is a lot of wasted assets to... Uh, 
you know, for, for just because you're really shitty with your salary cap. You didn't have it under control. You were making moves, maybe not thinking uh, further ahead. So, yeah, the Ottawa Senators are in a little bit of a bind right here. We'll see if they're able to get out of it. I really hope it doesn't come down to them having to trade away Matthew Joseph and sacrificing a first, second-round pick to do it. And then if they literally just get, like, future considerations or, like, a seventh, it's, it just looks so fucking bad to me. I really don't like that. And some people coming to the defense of Ottawa being like, oh, well, they have their top six, all that's locked up, and they got young prospects. And and when you have uh, this many young prospects and, and a team on the rise, this is the kind of things that happen every now and again. But uh, I'm not really buying it, man. It's just the, you, you just put down the Tarasenko argument, that alone. It's like, was he really necessary? Was it a luxury? Was it nice to add? Yeah, absolutely. But in hindsight, was it a very good idea throwing $5 million at him? I don't know. I mean, he could shove it up our hoop if he becomes the 40-goal scoring Tarasenko again. Then, fuck yeah, who gives a shit? I guess Lassie Thompson, off he goes. Who knows? Lassie Thompson may not become anything for the Ducks. He may not make the lineup, may never play a game in the NHL. We don't know just yet. But as it looks right now, it just kind of looks like Ottawa is cracking a little bit. They're starting to make some some odd mistakes. So hopefully they can... You know, right the track, get back on track here. You're so fucking close. Just make the goddamn playoffs and, and, and knock out the Bruins or something. Just make me happy and do that. That would be really, really awesome. And now we will talk about someone who is really, really awesome and sadly is retiring from the NHL. And that is Corey Schneider, goaltender, former goaltender for the Vancouver Canucks and the New Jersey Devils. And... Yeah, man, he he was still playing, not in the NHL. He was playing in the AHL, I do believe, for the Albany Devils or something like that. But regardless, man, I I was a fan of Corey Schneider, man. Really liked this goalie. And, um, man, like, for for what he played there, he was a fucking really good goalie, man. Really good goaltender. I'll never forget the absolute flubbing that was the Vancouver Canucks and having Luongo and Corey Schneider. They literally could have gotten the world for them, and they completely blew that situation. Ended up getting basically peanuts on the dollar for Corey Schneider and Luongo. I mean, yeah, Corey Schneider, he got traded in New Jersey for a first-round pick. That first-round pick ended up becoming Bo Horvat. So, I mean, it's it, in all said and done, it was it's a pretty fair trade. You know, uh, Schneider, he only got, I think, like three pretty damn good seasons there with New Jersey before it all kind of fell apart. And really unfortunate, man, because Schneider could have went down as one of the better goaltenders if he just remained healthy and got into a starting role earlier than he did. He, If he maybe wasn't in Vancouver, stuck behind, not necessarily stuck behind, but behind Roberto Luongo, where he, on probably 70% of the other teams in the league at that time, he would have been a starting goaltender, and who knows how much better of a career he would have had overall, I still think it was quite a solid career, if you go back and look at his numbers, dude, save percentage was out of control, man, when he was in his prime right there, like in the in the 920s, freaking really, really good goaltender, and oh man, one thing about Corey Schneider that I found just super underrated is this dude was hilarious. This guy is very, very funny. Whenever I would see the odd interview with this guy, he always cracked me up. And he has 
underratedly awesome impressions. If you you got to look up his Yannick Hansen impression that he did, it, it might be impossible to find, but I, I still quote it all the time. A little bit of Yannick Hansen. It's just come on now. If you know, you know, but fuck, man. I, I really, really like Corey Schneider. One of the good fucking guys of the NHL, man. Like, he's just good, always happy, never complaining about anything, which, you know, is is quite impressive considering he played in Vancouver where there's a lot of things to complain about, but just awesome fucking guy, man. I, I This guy, I hope almost more than anyone, he, like, up there with Phil Kessel, like, get on... Get on TV, man. Be an analyst. Be something. Entertain us because I think Corey Schneider is awesome. I, I really like that personality. And uh, congratulations to a fantastic NHL career and hopefully an even better retirement. We're not done with the retirement news just yet. We got Brandon Sutter. He has officially retired. He was on a PTO with the Pittsburgh Penguins, I do believe, but looks like he didn't crack the cut, and he's just going to call it quits. He's going to call it a career and another really solid career. Now, I believe he was a first-rounder way, way, way back, and man, yeah, I love this guy. He was, like, for so many of the NHL video games, like, the perfect third, fourth-line center, like, super sound defensively, amazing at face-offs. In terms of, like, actual not video game player I don't really know all that much about him other than I know he was overpaid in Vancouver and uh, trying to be one of the the answer to that third line center problem that Vancouver has just had for like a decade Uh, he tried his best I mean it it is what it is it's it's a tough gig there in Vancouver but yeah nice little career there for Brandon Sutter I will miss having him as my third fourth line center in the NHL video games And I am just learning that Derek Stepan is also retiring from the NHL. And yeah, he had some pretty decent moments there. Kind of a a really solid top six player at times. 60 points, I think, was where he was tapped out. But I think he was the one that was hopping around and getting traded and and moved to a lot of different teams. And he was uh, in the running for maybe breaking the Sillinger record for the most teams played for. Sadly, I guess that's, that's not going to happen, but... Maybe it's not a record you necessarily want, but I'm of the opinion that, you know, getting traded to a lot of teams isn't a bad thing. It just kind of means that a lot of teams want to use your services. So a nice career there for Derek Stepan. Also learning that the Ottawa Senators have waived some more first round picks. So Bernard Docker is on waivers along with Jacob Larson. I don't know if that means these, like, does that mean they're going to get, are they eligible to get picked up because I mean uh, Bernard Docker at some point there had some pretty decent hype behind him I'm not very familiar with Jacob Larson I believe he was like a first rounder in 2015 I believe I read and Bernard Bernard Doc I don't know why I keep saying I'm gonna keep saying Bernard but Bernard Docker whatever that guy that's going on waivers uh he was a little more recent in 2018 first round so is Ottawa just like emptying out the cupboards right here like do they like they might know something that we don't know it's their prospects so maybe they're like you know what maybe it's time to to cut these guys and stop utilizing resources on them because it's just not gonna happen but uh yeah that's very interesting we'll see where that one goes might be something that we touch on more next week and maybe we'll have a, a home for those guys or they're still with the Ottawa Senators but uh Really interesting, bold strategy being taken by the Senators at this moment. We'll see if it works out for them. I mean, they're crushing it in preseason, but again, it's preseason, so I'm not going to go too crazy about that, but 
I think I want to finish off with uh, <laughs> an article from the NHL. It's the NHL top players, so they're doing their top 50 or whatever. I'm not going to go through all 50, but I'll go through their top 20, and uh, we'll see if anything kind of pops out as a little bit surprising. So, I mean, number 20, Jack Eichel, is a little bit surprising. I mean, he had a nice season last year. I think this is definitely because he had a nice playoff run and is now a Stanley Cup champion coming off of the surgery that was a whole big controversy getting out of Buffalo I feel Jack like I definitely believe Jack Eichel is a very very good player I think 20 though might be a little bit high admittedly I think there's a little bit of that Stanley Cup recency bias with that one but he is a very very good player number 19 is Miro Heiskanen I mean yeah Probably still underrated at for uh, for some people, and you know you don't get to see a lot of the Dallas Stars. But this is going to be a very big year for the Stars. They have been close to a Stanley Cup now for quite a bit, and this could be the year where it all falls together. And Miro Heiskanen is the best defenseman on that team, and he's awesome, man. Like oh, some of the. I, oh, I don't remember what draft it was. I think it was the Nolan Patrick and uh, Hiche draft where Heiskanen. And uh, some other, I don't know, whatever. But anyway, some teams uh, probably should have uh, maybe took a swing on Heiskanen because he has just become a absolute stud for the Dallas Stars. And yeah, I think 19 is pretty fair. Pretty fair. 18, you got Igor Shesterkin. I'm still of the mind that he's maybe a little bit overrated, but I don't get to watch a whole lot of Shesterkin. I know he's very, very good and uh, pretty consistent, which is important for a goaltender. I think that's kind of what makes uh, a goaltender great or elite is consistency. That's kind of, you know, you can have a goalie put up amazing numbers for 10, 15 games, 20 games, and and great, but it's that consistency that really goes the long way, obviously. But uh, Igor Shosturkin has shown his consistency now for a, quite a handful of years, so I think he is starting to earn his, uh, his spot here in these higher ends on the top list here, but 18... Maybe a little bit high, but I know he is a very, very good goaltender. Could very well win a Vesna this season again. He's only 27, so... Mm-hmm. And then we got Kirill Kaprizov at 17. I mean, yeah, he's pretty freaking awesome. Very, very talented. Very fun to watch. And thank God he went to Minnesota because, oh, they needed a player like him over there. And yeah, man, he is absolutely just rejuvenated Zuccarello like he was a good player and now with him he's like a great player and he just wants to continue playing with him so he's staying around so that's a lot of fun and Kirill Kaprizov could fuck around get 50 goals could be a 100 point player if you know, Minnesota's gonna have to get out from this you know the Suter contract and the Prize contract but once they get out of there and they get some salary cap and maybe start getting some big wingers Boldy takes another step who knows? We're going to start seeing uh, more consistent 100-point seasons out of him, so I like that. We've got Mitch Marner here at 16. That's cute because he's number 16. And me personally, I, I think I underestimate and underrate Marner a little bit. That's just the Leaf fan in me. I'm, I'm not used to having this level of player on my squads. You know, I really got into the Leafs there hardcore when they became quite bad, and it was really only 
Matt's Matt Sundin on the team who is like a bona fide star, but uh yeah, man, Mitch Marner is a really fucking good player. Insanely creative, fast. He's got a really strong two-way defensive game, as we really got a, a C for that, getting a nomination for the Selkie. So, I mean, yeah, Marner, I'm dying for him to get that 100-point season. He got 99 last year. I think it's only a matter of time before he and Matthews are hitting the 100 points. And, yeah, it's it's... But the thing with Marner is we got to get that that performance out of him in the playoffs he's he's put up points but the effort and the performance on the ice when you watch it it's you know there's got to be another gear and he's got to find it and get to that fucking gear this year and up next you got Braden Point number 15 this one my eyebrow raised for a hot second and then I realized I was like dude the guy absolutely slaughtered the season last year 50 goals I mean he was awesome and I think he's a little bit underrated honestly I think he at this point, behind Kucherov is probably the best offensive player on the team. I think he's better than Stamkos. He is just a little dog. I would love to have this guy on my team. He is awesome. And he's going to be the, the main guy there for Tampa Bay for quite a long time. He's locked in. He's only 27. So is he going to hit 50 goals again? I mean, there's a possibility. He, it was it was pretty close for him getting it this season. So that might be a career year. But regardless, dude is an underrated goal scorer. Like, I don't think people talk about him uh, scoring goals enough. But yeah, Braden Point, real good plur. And then speaking of real good plur, it is his teammate, Andre Vasileski. So I feel like if um, his ranking might drop a little bit after this season because of the unfortunate... Uh, injury, and I feel like, you know, Sorokin and um, maybe maybe even Ottinger and Shesterkin, they're going to start passing uh, Vasilevsky at some point, but, you know, I owe every year, I'm like, Vasilevsky's gonna come back with a vengeance, man. He ain't done. He's still only 29 years old. He would already go into the Hall of Fame if he retired right now, and I, he's still probably got a good six, seven years in him of Probably elite play as long as these injuries don't pile up and really fuck him up. But Andre Vasilevsky at this point, I would still claim that he is probably the best goaltender in the league with his track record. Though some other of those younger goalies are getting some better numbers right now. I still think Vasilevsky is the best goaltender in the NHL. Number 13 is Jason Robertson. So yeah, I can. he's getting up there. This might be a little bit high, but he is a very, very good player. And I got a good look at him during his playoff run with the Stars and the last playoff there. I did not realize how big he was and just kind of... He's kind of a very unique player to watch because he's very, very skilled, but he's also large. He kind of seems like he's slow, but he's also... He's very fast. It just looks like he's not that... Fast and yeah, man, this guy is a very talented player. Absolutely exploded on the on the scene for the stars and just started racking up the points. I really, really hope Nick Robertson will become uh, like Jason Robertson. That would be incredible. That I would love that. But Jason Robertson, a very talented player on one of the best lines in hockey with Rupe Heinz and the ageless wonder Joe Pavelski. We'll see if that continues. I mean, what, Pavelski's, what, 40 now, I think? And he just keeps going. And that people argue, like, is it the talent of Joe Pavelski or is it the, the young talent? I think it's a mix of both. I think the young talent has just motivated Joe Pavelski to continue playing. He was always a very, very good player. And yeah, I think it's just, he just wants to keep going. He's very, very dedicated to get that Stanley Cup. And I really hope little Joe gets it done. 
Jason Robinson at 13. Number 12, you got Adam Fox. Another one of the young players really just solidifying himself now into the some of the best players in the league. And I will say I don't get to see a whole lot of Adam Fox, uh, but he is a very, very good player. It's Oh, it's a shame that he didn't want to play for the Flames. I would have loved to have uh, Adam Fox on the Flames right now. That would be so sick. But uh, pretty much, I would say, a contender for the Norris now, probably for, uh, who knows, like the next 10 years maybe. He's probably always going to be in that conversation. And underrated defensively, I know he puts up a lot of points and people default think that if the defenseman puts up a lot of points probably sucks at defense but no he is quite solid at the defensive game as well so Adam Fox no slouch number 12 I'm, I mean I just personally like Heiskanen a little bit better but I don't think I can say that Heiskanen is necessarily the better it's close man there's like I've said before there's so much ridiculous talent in terms of defensemen right now it is truly a golden age that we're in up next, you got Jack Hughes. Oh, baby, it's time. Jack Hughes is finally here, man. It looks like he is going to be probably putting up 100-point seasons from here on out as long as he can stay healthy. And first overall pick, took him a couple, a few seasons to finally get up there. And a lot of people right away, oh, he's a bust, he's a bust. And there was just, it wasn't, he was not going to be denied. And look at him now, one of the most entertaining young players in the league at this time. And he is... Going to be taking New Jersey on a fun ride this season. They're absolutely loaded. They finally broke out as a, a, I don't know if I want to call them a contending team just yet, but they broke out of the basement, got into the playoffs, and they're making some waves right now. And this is going to be a big, fun season for them and a big season for Jack Hughes. And I guess that's all of them. So next week, uh, if, as long as they have the uh, the article up, we'll talk about their top 10 players that uh, NHL is claiming. And I'm really hoping that they get their uh, my favorite article. I always look for this one when it comes out. I love reading it. It's their bold predictions where I think they go through every single team and they make a bold prediction for each team. Probably my favorite article that I read, I mean, it's just fantastic, a lot of them just make you go, oh, what, that's crazy, and yeah, I've I've looked, I've googled, there's a few of them out there, but only like a handful of bold predictions, I'm waiting for a big one, because I'm not good and creative enough, I don't think, to come up with my own bold predictions, because theirs are just so damn good and crazy, so... We'll uh, be on the lookout for that. I can't wait to discuss that article. It's always a lot of fun. But I think that will be all for us here at the at the GX Plus cast. Thank you, everybody, so much for listening. You are awesome. If you want to watch this, I also upload these to the YouTube channel, Gamer GX Videos. You can follow the link down below. Also, follow along on Twitter and all that great stuff. And loved if you would send in a question for, for the podcast, I can read it live on the podcast. Answer your question related to video games, hockey, or wrestling or anything, you know, related to the stuff that we talk about on this podcast kind of deal, right? All right, so that would be awesome. We got uh, some fun stuff coming up for October, especially with the GamerCast. Going to be talking about some spooky stuff this month and uh, obviously for Halloween, so that's going to be a lot of fun. Going to be talking about 13 of the scariest enemies that I've encountered as a gamer over the last uh, my life. So yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun. Keep your ears and eyes open out for that. Please review the podcast if you would, if you liked it. You know, be honest. If there's something that I'm not doing good, let me know about it. Constructive criticism is always welcome. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back again with more GX Plus Cased.